Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. The number to call, 1850-715-996. The text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. Email, opinion at 96fm.ie. Good morning, Thursday morning, the 7th of January. What a strange, strange night it was last night. What a scary night to watch that unfolding on the steps of the Capitol building. Just phenomenal scenes. It was like actually like watching an episode of one of my favourite series in the last few years. It was like watching an episode of Designated Survivor. It really was. A, or, or a movie like like White House Down. I'll go to it in just a sec because it's the biggest story in the world uh, so far in 2020. And let's face it, or 2021. There will be... Well, will there be bigger ones? It's, it's really hard to know. Just see there during the news, um, Paul Reid from the HSE has tweeted... Something that we were predicting this time yesterday morning. There's now a thousand people, over a thousand, 1,022 people in hospital uh, with uh, COVID-19, which is a, a sad milestone to be passing. We'll, we'll touch on it, obviously, later on. And we will be discussing once again the Leaving Cert and indeed primary schools and special schools and, and what is going to happen from, from next week. But first, it's only fair to start with, with the biggest story in the world for many a long week at least. Let us, let us play back, Wayne, what now people say is the audio that started it all. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved. And I hope Mike is going to do the right thing. I hope so. I hope so. Because if Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. All Vice President Pence has to do is send it back to the states to recertify. And we become president, and you are the happiest people. That election, our election, was over at 10 o'clock in the evening. We're leading Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, by hundreds of thousands of votes. And then late in the evening or early in the morning, boom, these explosions of bullshit. And all of a sudden, 
sudden it started to happen. Now it is up to Congress to confront this egregious assault on our democracy. And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down anyone you want. But I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. Now, in the wake of that speech, in the wake of that speech, all hell broke loose. That's the only way that you could describe it. I saw stuff on my... We were doing things like taking down Christmas trees last night and... I saw some tweets and I turned on CNN about 8.30 and sat down and didn't stop watching it until until midnight. Uh, and yeah, Donny's okay. He's dead safe by all accounts. God, that boy from Cahir Savine became an overnight star last night. But it was incredible scenes. Really, really scary stuff. At the end of it, four people are dead. There was one woman shot. Uh, three others died from medical reasons. We assume they got heart attacks or something like that. There were 52 people arrested. Words were being used like insurrection. Uh, it was a bit like at one stage someone said, this is like watching uh, the downfall of Saddam Hussein. It, it really was bizarre, dramatic stuff that we'd never seen before. I certainly would never have anticipated or expected to see that coming from the the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Now, to be fair, it burnt itself out uh, and everything went back to normal around 8 o'clock their time, around 1 o'clock in the morning our time. It burnt itself out. It could have been an awful lot worse, but it, it, it fizzled out after the, the mayor in D.C. brought in a curfew and everyone was kind of forced home at 6 o'clock. And you're kind of watching it uh, to see would it, would it flare up, would it get really tense, would it get really scary, and it kind of didn't. It fizzled out. It fizzled out after about 6 p.m. their time, and by 8 o'clock, uh, the, the politicians were sitting again inside in the White House. But I, I spoke late last night to Dave Hannigan. Dave is a journalist from Cork. Um, he, he works over there as a journalist and as a writer and a history teacher. He's based in, in Long Island in New York, which is quite a distance away, obviously. But he's been writing about the Trump movement now for quite some time. And as he told me very late last night when I spoke to him, he sees it on his own doorstep every day. Dave, thanks very much for taking our call. You were telling me before we came to air that your local area there in Long Island is is a hotbed of Trump support. I'll get to that in a sec. But you're you're in the States a long time now. Did you ever think you'd see something like we saw tonight? No. I never did. I never. I never thought you'd see any the scenes that that were allowed to develop because America it, it prides itself on being high security. It's difficult to get into places uh, at the best of times, and and the way that they were just allowed to overrun uh, the police and basically march in there today to one of the most you know what I would have previously thought was one of the most secure buildings in America, especially in the two decades almost since 9-11, that was shocking to me. And and the footage, the the still photographs that came out of it, the footage, the way that people walked out at the end as if they'd done nothing. I mean, all of it is just 
all of it is bizarre, troubling, uh, all of the you know cliches that people have come out with about it. But it's not what isn't surprising is, is that it has come to this. You know, th- this was inevitable. This has been building now for a number of years. So, you know, we're shocked at the scenes, but we cannot say that we are surprised. Not surprised that people would break in windows in the Capitol building, that Secret Service agents would have to hold guns to the door of the Senate, that someone would get into President Trump's seat or into Nancy Pelosi's office. Shocked, but not surprised at those extremes? No, because I've been here 20 years and I've, I've listened in the last few years since the emergence of Trump to a really extreme right-wing media, talk shows especially, like 12, 14 hours a day of extremist right-wing talk show rhetoric where they are stoking people up into a frenzy, uh, stoking up their paranoia, their nationalism, this sense that their country is being taken from them. It's it's racist in its undertones. Uh, Trump has been their figurehead. The idea of being building this idea for years that the media are trying to do him down. They tried to, you know, they're going to steal the election all that in the two months since the election, they have absolutely taken it up a notch. So all those things, I've, I've and remember this, you know, I don't know about the ads are, are on 96FM these days, but uh, the ads on these talk shows are for, uh, radio talk shows are for guns and safes and survivalist equipment and camo, camouflage clothing, you know, so all those things that you saw people wearing today, you know, they're advertised in the breaks in between the inflammatory rhetoric, stoking up the fires of nationalism and paranoia and fear and loathing. So it was inevitable that it would come, it would come to some kind of horrific showdown. And, and I guess that's what it came to today. Comments were being made on social media during the evening that were this a Black Lives Matter protest, they would never have got that far. Would you agree? 100%. 100%. There, what was astonishing as it played out was how long it took for them to take back control of the building. There was no uh, water cannons, you know, it's in Washington today, water cannons should have been out there. Tear gas took a long time. The stun grenades or the flash grenades or whatever they call them. You know, I, I, the way I understand it, you know, the last time I was in Washington, if you stepped over a barrier near the White House, you were, you know, under threat of being shot. Whereas these guys were just allowed to walk around. You know, it was, and that, that's what, there is no question and what we saw in the summer, the way the authorities reacted to Black Lives Matter protests in the summer when violence met violence in some occasions, there was nothing like that today. Which leads to the obvious question, Dave, why? Well, I, I think, I'll tell you why. When you fly in America now, uh, or for the last 20 years, you put on, you have to take off your shoes because one Muslim terrorist once tried to set fire to his shoes or to set off a bomb in his shoes. We have a massive domestic terrorism problem here, and it's accepted. The the domestic terrorists, the white nationalist terrorists, the extreme right-wing terrorist militias. I mean, look, these guys marched into the Capitol building in Michigan two months ago in what you call almost a dress rehearsal for what went on today, and nothing happened. Nothing happened to them. So, yes, there's one law for, for white people who commit offenses like these, in the name of a so-called political movement. And then there's a very different law uh, for, for black people. Or, or and are the people. cops afraid to do something or is it just a different agenda? 
I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I suspect, I don't want to go conspiracy theory on this, but I, I do suspect that was awfully easy for those guys to do that today. I mean, if you've ever been to a major event in America, the security is usually incredibly high. They knew this was happening. Like I said to you before we came on air, air there was there's a, a Trump movement in my area and they were sending six buses to D.C. And that wasn't a cigarette. So if one area in Long Island is sending that many people, you know, all over America, they're going to travel to this place. The cops have to know that that's happening um, for them to just to get overrun if they were indeed overrun. That's just, you know, that suggests to me that something is wrong and something stinks about the whole thing, really. In your own neighborhood, like you said, six buses. Now, clearly, you work as a journalist, you, you teach history. You know some of these people. Describe them to me. What's astonishing about the Trump movement is is that there's this cliche that it's it's ignorant, you know, badly educated uh, people who are just being suckered in by this shyster, this huckster, um, and that's true to an extent. But I know college professors who are Trumpers. I know a, a kidney specialist who is a Trumper. You know, I, I know a lot of business owners. Resp- so, you know, respectable in every aspect of their lives, uh, except for this one, you know, respectable citizens mostly, uh, but they have been, been brought, bought into this movement and this idea that this man is going to do, was going to do things for mm-hmm. America. Um, you know, I guess everybody is vulnerable to, to you know, demagoguery and, yeah. and speechifying and, 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 you know, maybe, you know, whatever, whatever reason, but they're, People are attracted to him for different reasons. There's the racists who, who are attracted to him for the white nationalism. There are the middle class entrepreneurs who believe that he's a genius businessman and he's going to be great for the economy. Uh, there are the bankers and, and people who, have, who are in the stock market because the stock market's gone through the roof in the last four years. So they, they credit him for that. So there's different reasons why people are there. So it's a much more diverse movement uh, than, than you know the, the cliche of like the the, you know, hillbilly kind of following mm. Trump with his gun kind of thing. And and what does it say that he got a massive vote, the highest vote of any defeated candidate in history? I have no answer to that. I mean, it's just because I'll tell you why, PJ, like there's one thing alone. If you just consider his handling of the coronavirus, he did such an incredibly bad job with that. The most important public health crisis of of our lifetimes or for the last hundred years or whatever. He did a terrible job. He denied it. He absolutely screwed this thing up every which way. Mm. And then 79 million people was it who who came out and voted for him, voted for him anyway. I mean, that's, it's very depressing. I love this country. It's been very good to me. Um, But that I I have no explanation for that. I, I would have said, Dave, this time last year, before we knew the havoc, that COVID would have wreaked on all of our lives, I would have said he was almost a slam dunk for a second term. Would you agree with me back then? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think the virus really helped because Joe Biden is a terrible candidate, 
uh, for president and a terrible campaigner. And the fact that he wasn't able to campaign actually really helped him. Hmm. You know, all he had to do was basically lay low while this other guy completely made a botch of handling the coronavirus issue or the coronavirus threat uh, from, from start to finish, really. Um, so, yeah, I would have agreed with you up to up to very recently, up, up to quite near the election, I was convinced that Trump Trump would, would win again. And again, let me point out this, like, Three and a half thousand Americans died yesterday from the virus. Yeah. And I'm watching that thing unfold today. And I said to somebody, you know what? Those guys storming that building are the guys who are on September the 12th, 2001, are like, I'm going to go fight for my country because 3,000 Americans were killed by terrorists. Three and a half thousand Americans were killed yesterday. It doesn't matter a jot to anybody. It's like, you know, it, it's not even a thing. It's not even a thing anymore. 4,000 a couple of days ago. You know, massive amounts of American ad- Americans are dying, partly because this man who they went, quote unquote, went to war for today, mishandled the coronavirus. That's why Americans are dying. But they completely ignore that fact. Mm. It's, it's almost impossible to, to get your head around it. You mentioned Joe Biden. Two weeks, Dave, to Inauguration Day. I, I was watching CNN last night and, and trying to think, right, could this or worse happen again in the course of the next two weeks? I think there's a really troubling aspect to this, and that is that Trumpism, like the Trump movement, this this beast that he has created of his followers, this isn't going anywhere. And they are armed. They are those people, you know, a lot of them own guns, as a lot of Americans do, but they they a lot of them have guns. They are not going anywhere as a political force in the Republican Party, which I think has been severely damaged by all this, but also just as a cultural force. These people, I, I, I knew this from watching Trump parades in my own area uh, in, the, in the weeks, in the weekends building up to the election, there were massive Trump parades where I live of, of cars, convoys of cars. And, and they, they, people involved in that said to me, we're not finished. When this is over, we're going to, we're going to continue to grow and we're going to continue to try and impact. So that's, What's troubling to me as we go forward? Are is, you concerned that the inauguration itself could be invaded, for want of a better word? Well, I doubt it now because I presume now they will be locking down the house and yeah. making sure nobody's getting anywhere near anything. It's not like they can inaugurate him online, though. It has to be public. Yeah, but I think wasn't it supposed to be like um, nobody's going to be there? You know, nobody will be will be getting within miles of it, and I think that will obviously be more emphasised now than before. But I mean, that's only one event. I think going forward, it, you know, this is a mass movement that has the potential to wreak havoc in lots of different places and in lots of different ways, and that's what's that's the most troubling aspect for America as a country going forward. Worrying times, Dave. Stay safe there, and thanks for taking my call. Thanks very much, PJ. Good night. That's Dave Hannigan speaking to me uh, very late uh, last night. Now, I'm going to go live. Um, I think he may be back in New York, but he was in D.C. uh, last evening as this was unfolding. Gabby Cabby, Peter Franklin. Peter, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Good to talk to you. You were in D.C. last evening. What brought you there? Well, it was just coincidental. I was doing something with one of my brothers, and I had gone down there. It's just a—it's about a four-hour drive from New York, and it was nice to get out and get around a little bit. But it was just merely coincidental. But it did give me a bird's-eye view. I didn't see anything I didn't expect to see. But, oh, really? Uh, 
Yeah, well, listen, you got to keep in mind that the United States has 330 million people. So we got nutcases here. You have nutcases on both sides. And the people that were doing what they were doing are nutcases and aren't to be taken too seriously. You might say that, Peter, but I guess watching what unfolded, and as you say, you had a bird's eye view, breaking windows in the Capitol building, storming into the, the chamber. It, it was like watching scenes from a movie. Yeah, that's it. Well, listen, this whole year, this whole past year has been a movie. It's like a science fiction movie. But the politics in the United States right now is just filled with venom. And never in my uh, lifetime have I seen so much venom, I guess that's the best word to use, between the Republicans and the Democrats. And so that was just another manifestation of it. But like I say, I think in terms of you got to keep it in context, this is a very, very large country with millions and millions of people and the number of nutcases, which is the best description I have, is fairly limited. And uh, in this day and age, when you have the telly and the radio and the media and the blogs and everything, no matter what incident occurs, everybody knows about it. I mean, you can just see that from the television. Boy, you couldn't have seen that 50 years ago. Mm, yeah, yeah. What kind of, How close were you to it? Um... Well... Washington is not that big a city. I mean, in other words, it's population-wise. So if you're in downtown Washington, which is mainly the government offices, uh, you're going to see everything that there is to see. Uh, my own personal impression of most of the people there were very well-behaved, were very serious about what they were doing, and it, certainly the number of people who were trying to break at the buildings, which I didn't. I, was, I wasn't in that area because I'm smart enough to stay away from that. Mm. Uh, you know, just don't do it. And even the morning, which morning now here in New York, and everybody who's talking about it, we all saw it on television. And it, oh, isn't that terrible? Isn't that terrible? Yeah, but that's not really the United States. And even what happened during the summer, during the summer when we had the different riots and the things. Part of the problem, and a lot of people are blaming the cops for it because they lost control of the situation. Mm. Never should have occurred. You know, this is not a third world country with a rinky-dink police force. You have the state police, you have the National Guard, you got the Secret Service. They just didn't, they just didn't plan for it, and unfortunately it got out of hand. Do you have any idea why, Peter, the comparisons are being made that if that had been a Black Lives Matter protest, they would never have gotten near the doors, let alone get a chance to break the windows. In fact, they might well have been shot. Now, I don't know whether you, whether you agree with that, but, but the no, comparison is a fair one. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you can make that, but it's, it's, it's just not true. It, it really isn't. Uh, if you ask somebody their opinion on anything, including that particular aspect, their answer is going to be clouded by what their political persuasion is. Everybody who hates Trump will blame an incident on him. Uh, on the other hand, the guys that love him will blame it on Pelosi and the other people. So the answer that you're getting to the question is really clouded by the politics. But no, the Black Lives Matter the same thing. Everybody in that organization is bad or crazy. They aren't really. 
It's just a few yeah. troublemakers. And then, of course, there's the professionals. I mean, you know, you sit and you look at these people who are doing it. The guy's climbing through the window, and I'm saying now on the television. Boy, didn't I see that guy back in August climbing in some other window? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I take the point you're making. But still, one would get the impression, Peter, that the cops just let them do it. Is, is that question going to be asked and played out? Oh, it is already. It is already. And I, uh, I, in my own mind, just felt that they just lost control of it and didn't take care of it. I mean, for anybody who comes in contact with police in the United States, it's a very high-tech group of people who are able to handle everything. And for the few people that would cause the trouble that caused the trouble yesterday, uh, the cops just weren't doing their job. And it had nothing to do with politics. If you said to me, did the cops let them do it because they were Republicans, they were Democrats? I'd say, no, the cops let them do it because they were just lazy. They were having their donuts and coffee, and they should have been in control of it. And there'll probably be some inquiries into it because I think that's far more specific specific than the guy that climbed through the window. Do you think that there's... It, um, Trump has uh, issued a statement this morning saying that there will be a, a peaceful transition. Inauguration day is, is two weeks' time. Do you think that there will be a peaceful inauguration of Joe Biden, or could this flare up again? No, I, I, I mean, my own personal streetwise opinion is no... Um, uh, it, there's not going to be a problem. And even that, I can't classify it as a problem. Again, I don't want to minimize or diminish the fact that people smashed into Congress and all that. But the fact of the matter is, getting back to my original point, 330 million people here. So if there was, what, 10,000 people in the, in the group at the moment, mm. you know, it, it just wasn't that much. And at one point, CNN were estimating between thirty and 50,000. You were there on the street. Did, did it look like that? No, I was surprised, frankly, that it wasn't as... I had completely forgotten, by the way, that that was what was going to be happening. I just wasn't in my mind, because my purpose in going there was a completely different purpose. Yeah. So, But I was surprised by the number of people, that they weren't as many as I thought. And most of them were neat and clean and just carrying their banners and their flags. And they weren't looking or itching to get into a fight. I think what happened is when the confrontation happened with the cops, the cops didn't handle it as they should have handled it. What I'm hearing, t t to finish, Peter, in, in your very experienced and streetwise voice, and that's why we love having you on the opinion line, you give it to us straight between the eyes, is, yes, it was a serious incident, but don't read too much into it. See, that was very good. Have you ever thought of doing this for a living? You stopped me <laughs> up for two minutes. <laughs> All right, listen, and, and I guess be careful where you, you always say the same thing, be, be careful where you get your headline news from. Well, everybody is, I mean, look, if you watch CNN, they have a certain political persuasion. If you watch Fox, they have a different political persuasion. I mean, it's just who, who you ask the question to. And if you're kind of a middle-of-the-road person like I am, I'll say blame it on the cops. And I'm not a cop basher, but no, just as an organization. Yeah, no, just as an organization. And, you know, I guess taxi drivers and cops don't get along. But just out of my own past history, 
they never, never should have lost control of that. I mean, if you think of the, the number of people, once they did get organized, look how quickly they cleared it up. Yeah. All right. Listen, a pleasure as always to talk to you. Peter Franklin, live from the mean streets of New York, but he was last night uh, on personal business, as it were, in Washington, D.C., the Gabby Cabby. Thank you, Peter. You got it, sweetheart. Bye-bye. Take care. 1850-715-996. I love the way the guy just puts perspective on it. Um, and, and that's why I wanted to, to get him this morning. Now, look, it was shocking to watch. It really was shocking to watch. But let's bear Peter's wise words in mind here. Really, what, maybe 30,000? He doesn't think it was. He doesn't think it was. There's 330 million people in the United States. So, relatively speaking, what happened last night was very small. And what he says, the question that will need to be asked now is how did the cops let that happen? How did... Dig those people get allowed to go up the steps of the building and into the building. How did it happen? Caller says the cops were vastly outnumbered. That's why it happened. Yeah, but they were calling in the National Guard and they were calling in other cops from outside as early as, as 9 o'clock. That's why they, uh, they didn't break it up. Uh, another call, can we please stop devoting so much time to American problems thousands of miles away? We have so many of our own problems, it's getting boring says Pat in Bantier. Well, Pat, I'm sorry you feel that way. But the the world was captivated by their television screens last night, and we just felt it was a good story to open the program with. We will be getting to the problems of the day, and I think you'll acknowledge we do cover the problems of the day big time. Uh, Carlos says, read PJ's question about the policing. A former FBI agent has documented links between serving officers and racist militant activities in more than a dozen states. His name is Michael German. Look up what he has to say. Kate thought the dignity of Joe Biden was unreal. Eugene said he's always felt that Trump reminds him of Cartman from South Park. Uh, and he has yet to leave me down. Plenty of people died when the Democrats burned down cities and took them over, but you never said anything about that, PJ. Right or wrong, 70 million Americans believe they've been scammed in this election. It's an opinion that's widely held. I can't agree with that. I can't disagree with that. Opinion line, the fear is January 20th for inauguration. I think they'll try to disrupt again. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmerie. Each week we bring you the latest news from our vibrant and creative communities all around Cork. Whether it's tips for the best live gigs online, new initiatives from Cork's writers and musicians, join Elmerie Mall and Connor Tallon as we work to support and keep the arts alive in Cork. The Arts House. Sunday mornings 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do. On Cork's 96F. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. PJ, you should have Peter Franklin on more. He's the first reporter I've heard who's actually neutral. Don't forget BLM protests killed people too. They're as bad as each other. Let's call it like it is. Well, Peter isn't a reporter. Peter is, it's a cab driver, a New York-based cab driver who's made a, 
a career for himself, giving you the view from the mean streets as a streetwise cabbie, and that's why we love having him on the show. And in terms of what he's been saying about the cops this morning, Peter Franklin is the last guy who will ever rip into the cops like he just did. And, and I'm surprised to hear him do so, but if he's doing it, then he's reflecting a genuine feeling among the people that he meets and that he deals with. D agrees with him. Politics in the States is all venom. Delia says I should have challenged him more when he was blaming the cops. Is that right? Well, you know what? He's on the streets. I'm not. I I just wanted his view. Uh, I should have challenged him more when he said Black Lives Matters were were mad too. Well, there there was mad people on those marches too. And yeah, there absolutely was. And look, you can organize any kind of a march. You can organize a water charges march. And there'll be a few lunatics on that. And that's as far down that road or that particular pipe as I'm prepared to go this morning. But that's all I'm saying. All right. 1850 Come back home. Pat and Van Tier will be happy to have us coming back home. And look, if you have more thoughts on the States or if you'd like to have a chat with me about it, 1850 We found out, as we kind of knew they would be, schools are to be closed until the end of January. But there are going to be two exceptions. One of them is for leaving certs, who will be going back in, apparently, three days a week from next week. We'll get to that later in the show, because that's a massive issue all by itself. But in terms of primary school, the smallies themselves will be at home, except for those in special needs classes, and except for those in special needs schools, but the classes within mainstream and to get the reaction on the prim- from the primary teachers on this, because listening to Norma Foley last evening, she was on the Drive Time show on RTE, three times, three times Sarah McInerney asked her, did she actually pick up the phone and talk to Neffet about this? And three times she refused to answer that question, which we can only take as being that she didn't. Which, look, should she have? I don't know. Mary Magner is the president of the INTO. She's from Castletown Roach. Mary, good morning to you. Good morning, Fergus. It's PJ here by now. Oh, PJ. Good morning, PJ. Mary, thanks for taking our call. What's the reaction of of the union and your and your members t- to yesterday's developments? Well, just in relation to your last comment there, you know, like our reaction as as always, as is any and all decisions, you know, taken by the department or by government should uh, be absolutely laid by uh, public health advice and evidence uh, from from NEFID. But given the serious and concerning and worrying spread of the virus with over 7,800 cases and a shocking and really sad loss of 17 lives yesterday, uh, we do acknowledge that it was prudent and wise in order to close schools for face-to-face teaching uh, and learning, you know, know, at least until the end of the month, until uh, we see a clearer picture. But um, there is no doubt, you know, that we are uh, hugely concerned in relation to um, special age classes and special schools opening, especially when um, out in the community there we have figures of 1,000, um, nearly nearly 1,500 children, 1,470 children testing positive in the community over the last week or so and a significant rise of 970 positive cases in a three-day period 
among children from 11, uh, from 4 to um, 12 year old. You know, so this is um, deeply concerning for families out there, for pupils themselves, and yeah. also for teachers um, in special ed settings. Uh, typically, I will, will, will your union work with these arrangements? Like, are you prepared to, to open the classes, to teach the classes? Well, like teachers have never been found wanting uh, PJ, but it is really, um, you know, and and the INTO representing its members, its its teaching force, have always worked constructively from the very beginning uh, since last March with the department and with the government. We have been, you know, in a consultative and a coordinated and, you know, and an informed plan. But, but it does sound yeah. like you're very uncomfortable, Mary, with the idea of, of classes being open next week. Yes, this was announced at a briefing yesterday and there was no consultation. Now, in the meantime, we have called for a meeting with the department and we hope to be meeting with them later. But, you know, the, um, the, um, the impact of the latest figures on the virus and the school-going uh, pupils and the transmission rate being uh, so high is certainly of... Um, uh, of, of huge concerns and like while uh, absolutely no teacher wants to see the schools close and in actual effect depends on how most teachers would want to be at, uh, face-to-face with their pupils but the health and safety of pupils their, mm. their, the teachers themselves school staff and typically in a special school setting or a special class setting uh, you have a wider community there with bus escorts and, um, you know, people uh, supporting children with special education needs all in the mix as well. And some of these pupils come uh, from, you know, on, on buses. They're mixed together with other pupils from other schools. Mm. And like we've been asked by the CMO, you know, uh, Tony Houlihan, to stay at home, to limit our contact. Uh, and yet um, we have children, uh, our most vulnerable children coming into schools you know, what special education needs uh, and um, with the infection rate rising among pupils and and their their contacts are being um, augmented and so is, are the contacts of the SNAs and the teachers supporting these pupils in the special ed settings. So is there a possibility, and I'm, I'm trying to analyse from, from your voice whether there is or not, is there a possibility that INTO might refuse to cooperate with this plan? Well, we look um, typically um, PJ and um, teachers have always cooperated. They've pulled out the stops, you know, from the very off uh, principles. And, and in fact, uh, Minister Foley has um, applauded teachers and principals for the work they have done. She even she even acknowledged they've gone beyond the call of duty in order to have the safe reopening of schools uh, since last September. Yeah. But uh, given like the, but but we have to be um, we have to hear from uh, Nefit themselves. We have to hear from the um, the, the the public health evidence and advice mm. and be guided by them. And that so uh, sorry, are you saying to me, Mary, that you want to hear Tony Holohan's opinion on Norma no, Foley's plan? Uh, we want to hear from Neffet and we hope that uh, Neffet will be present at, at today's meeting with the department. We, uh, INTO has always um, has, has demanded actually uh, weekly engagement with Neffet thus far, um, you know, um, as always. And, and, and our union has always been guided or taken guidance from the Neffet advice. Okay. And we have adopted, you know, 
we have, um, we look at, we simply um, have to have a clear plan going forward. We have to be cognizant of the safety um, mm. of our pupils and our uh, families out there, as well as our own teaching members. On the closure of the schools in general, um, do, do you feel that the end of January is sufficient? Like, what would reassure you that it would be safe to return to school on the 1st of February, say? Well, it, again, like, uh, at the risk of repeating myself, you know, PJ all the time, but, you know, look, <laughs> I suppose um, we simply don't know what's going to happen. You know, we, um, um, this virus seems to, as, as, as um, people have said, is absolutely rampant in the community. And I suppose it, it has to be reviewed on a weekly um, basis and and take guidance from same. So can I look into the future and say, you know, that it's safe to reopen schools at the end of, of this month? No, I can't. And I, I'm not too sure if anybody else can at this moment. Yeah, you're kind time. of anticipating my final question to you, but I'll ask it anyway. Like when, when the schools closed in March last year, uh, they were supposed to reopen was East the, the Monday after Easter was the initial plan. We, we all know what happened, though. Uh, w- would you be fearful, Mary Magdalene, that it might happen again? Well, I think we have learned a lot from, um, you know, from that period of time. Um, you know, additional PPE equipment has been coming, sanitising has been coming. You know, schools are very vigilant in relation to, uh, you know, uh, uh, preventing the virus, the tear, uh, you know, spreading in 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 the school community. Um, and uh, I and I have no doubt, you know, that the, the, uh, our teachers will ensure the safety of pupils going forward into the future. But we cannot. And this, this, this virus is taking um, uh, on a new phase now. And um, it's, uh, it's certainly, um, it, it, it certainly has to be, um, you know, any advice that has to be taken has to be taken really from, okay. um, from, from Neffert and from public health and be guided oh. by seeing So. I'll, I'll leave it there for today, Mary, and thank you for that. That's Mary Magner, INTO President, Castletown Roach, uh, County Cork. Mary Magner, thank you very much. 1850-715-996. I get the distinct sense from listening to Mary that A, the INTO is very uncomfortable about the plan for special needs education and also that Mary herself uh, doesn't really think the schools might open at the end of January. But certainly one thing that's coming, and I don't know if you're picking it up, but I'm certainly picking it up. She wants to know, first of all, did Neffet or did Tony Holohan approve this idea, which we don't know yet whether they did, or she wants to hear Neffet's opinion before they actually go ahead with it, and, and that's key. That's very key. 1857 just getting back to the protests John O'Donovan, I knew you would, John. I don't mean any offence by it, by the way. So, you know, calm down as well. I have a major problem with what you said about the water charge movement. There were no injuries or casualties from water protesters. That was a tightly run movement. The point that I was trying to make, John, and you know me well enough and long enough to know, is that no matter what kind of a protest you have anywhere, there's always an opportunity for some lunatic to get in there and cause trouble and draw headline news to it when in actual fact and this is what Peter Prankton was saying the vast majority of people that he observed presumably from his cab last night as he watched this going on the vast majority of them were not there 
to storm the building or to cause trouble. They were just there to register their upset uh, with the outcome of the election. That's 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 democratic in itself, I guess. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Go, go, go. It's the weekend. Yes, it's the weekend. Club 96 is the soundtrack to your Saturday night. On Cork's 96 FM. Darren Johnston spins all the biggest hits from 6. Then Rob Allen's got the old school mix from 10. Your Saturday night sorted. Sorted. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96 FM. A lot of comments coming in on what Peter Franklin in particular was saying and also on the schools and, and going back next week. I'll come back to all of those after the 10 o'clock news. But I want to uh, catch up with Dr. Tara Shine, who's been on the show a number of times over the years. If you're a science geek uh, like I am, you will know exactly what the Royal Institution Christmas Lectures are. They're BBC lectures that go on over Christmas and New Year, featuring scientists from all over the world giving a, a lecture on a on an item of the day, if you like, or a theme of the day. The theme for this year's lectures on BBC was the future of the planet. Planet Earth, the user's guide, was kind of the, the opening or the, the working theme for it. And Dr. Tarishine, who's originally from Kilkenny, but uh, lives in Kinsale and has done for many years, was one of the speakers on the Royal Institution Christmas lectures this year. Tara, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you doing? Great. What a massive platform. Oh my goodness, yeah, no, a, a massive honour to be asked to present one of the Christmas lectures. They're going since 1825. The list of people that goes before me is uh, very, uh, very intimidating. Um, and uh, yeah, so I felt a lot of weight on my shoulders. Um, but it, what was really uh, fun this year and, and a new departure was that instead of there being one lecturer delivering the three Christmas lectures, three of us worked together to bring different perspectives and a range of different scientific disciplines to bear in looking at something obviously as massive as our, as our whole planet. Your focus was carbon emissions and, and kind of what exactly are we breathing in? How dirty is our air? Now, you, you've never spared the horses on this over the years. Like, how dirty is our air around us this you know, morning? It's not as great, I'm afraid. Um, for many of us here in Ireland, um, we have a long way to go in improving our air quality. Um, so there's, there's, there's great hopes for things like a national clean air strategy to be published this year that would um, help to reduce emissions from uh, open fires are a big cause of air pollution, which causes over a thousand people to die every year in Ireland, um, as well as emissions from, from cars, particularly from diesel cars. Um, but, but also agriculture also produces air pollution. So there's lots of different causes. We need to monitor it a lot more carefully and you know, be much more transparent, I think, with the public around um, where, where the air pollution levels are, are high and, and how they can manage their health, particularly if they're at risk. Like as as individuals, as as family people, what what can we do around air quality? Um, yeah. I mean, are there simple things that we can do every day? Yeah, don't leave your car idling if you have a, a diesel or petrol car. Those cars idling outside shops, petrol stations, schools, 
Um, they're right at the level of our kids and the air that they breathe in. Um, so you're wasting fuel, number one, and you're polluting the air. That's a really, really simple thing to do. If you, if you must have an open fire, um, and some people I know are reliant on them for, for heating their homes and don't have an alternative, but if, it, if, it, if you're not in the case that you require it for heat um, and it's more of a luxury item that you light at the weekends or something, then um, steer away from uh, all kinds of coal and fossil fuels and only burn uh, dry wood if you, if you must. Um, that will greatly reduce the amount of uh, black carbons and soot and other um, chemicals that we're putting into the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the moment, all, every house needs every bit of heat it can get. In, I know, it's really cold at the moment. So if you, you know, some people don't have a choice and that's really um, important. Um, and that's where, you know, again, government policy is going to be important in supporting houses to be retrofitted. There's huge plans for that. In the next, in you know, from this year onwards, in terms. I'm glad you mentioned that actually, because one thing that people always say, well, look, we'd, we'd all love to be able to use less fossil fuels or or to heat our homes in a more efficient way, but the cost of doing it, the cost of retrofitting, like that's going to be very expensive for the average family. Well, it depends on your house. So it, 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 it depends. For some people, it will be more expensive. For others, it will be less. But this is where the types of grants and measures that are coming through, whether it's from SEAI or the, the Green Hub that um, uh, on Post is leading on, are all now starting to try and make all of these things more accessible and more affordable mm. um, to us all. Um, and also there'll be a big government-led retrofit of social housing. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty we can all do in, in our own lives. And if, if a big re- uh, home retrofit isn't something you can do or you don't own your house, you're just renting, then, yeah. you know, there's other things you can do, like, uh, you know, <laughs> driving our cars less. We're all limited to our five kilometers at the moment. So looking at how we, we walk more, even if it's to the shop, rather than drive the car, each time we do that, we reduce the amount of pollution we put into the atmosphere. And that's a great service for all of us and to all of our health. Yeah, and it's you know I, I I wrote a book about all those kind of like easy day to day things, yeah. easy and not so easy day to day things that we can do. Last year, it's called how to save your planet one object at a time. Um, but you know, don't feel intimidated by this. It doesn't have to be massive. Yes, some of the things that we all need to do are, are big capital investments that we may or may not have the money for. But there's also a whole lot of um, more accessible everyday things that we can all do as well. So so don't feel overwhelmed by the whole thing. It is a kind of a combination of small efforts rather than one huge effort in the average household. Is that what you're saying? In many cases, yeah. Again, it varies. Every single household situation is different one to the other, so you you can't always generalize. But I think there's always something every single one of us can do. And you you can feel paralyzed in the face of like big problems like you know the pandemic and climate change, um, and that doesn't. It's not a nice feeling. It's much better to feel like you're doing something like you have some power over the situation and so even if that is taking a small number of small actions and building that up over time that's better than than just sitting feeling frozen by the issue okay leave it there for now and thank you very much and congratulations on on uh, being asked to present one of those royal institutions and uh, yeah and PJ, just maybe for people to know it's 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 on the iPlayer at the moment, which we can't oh, get great. over here in the in Ireland. But the lecture will be uh, available on YouTube and then generally accessible from February. So um, people can look out for it then on the Royal Institution website. Excellent. And as soon as it's there, let us know and we will share it on our platform so people great, can Great. I will do that. All Thanks, right, PJ. Dr. Take care. Thank you. That's Dr. Tara Shine, 1850-715-996. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96FM. 
Given that my commute to work these mornings is basically down the stairs and through the kitchen, I would hate to be trying to drive on those roads this morning. But I'd say it's very dodgy out there, so please do be careful on the on the ice this morning. 1850-715-996, the number, the text or WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Catch us on Twitter at opinionline96. Don't forget the hashtag is ol 96. And if you want to get us to Facebook, you can do so to the Cork 96 FM Facebook page. Pop us a message there and mark it, if you will, please, for the attention of the opinion line. Also, remember, we podcast this show every day. Podcast is usually available around 2 o'clock, two, between 2 and 3. You'll get it. Generally, we tweet the link to it first, then it goes up onto the 96 FM phone app eventually, or any platform you care to listen. We just take out the ads and take out the news bulletins, take everything else out, and just let you have the full show and that goes up as I say early to mid afternoon the podcast and then there's a repeat between 3 and 5 a.m. we repeat the highlights of the show for wherever you want to pick up on that one 1850-715-996 we will be going back to the schools and the plans for the schools and in particular the plans for the leaving cert because that is causing a lot of chaos and a lot of angst and a lot of concern this morning the idea that the Leaving Certs would go back into schools from three, for three days a week when everybody else is staying at home. We'll come back to that. If you have any thoughts on it, I'd love to hear from you. A lot of people, well, I won't say a lot of people, one or two people saying, oh yeah, well, if the teachers uh, don't want to go into the classes, then put them all on a PUP. Hey, it's a view. Right, let us go back, though, to the uh, big international story of last night and this morning and the trouble and the unbelievable scenes on Capitol Hill. Now, we talked with Gabby Cabby, Peter Franklin, in our first hour, and, and what Peter is saying, look, don't think that this is a real view of America. He was in D.C. last night, and he saw, uh, for the most part, for the most part, peaceful people, people who have a grievance with the outcome of the election in a democracy are entitled to feel that way. But he said that what happened at the actual steps of the Capitol building was just a few lunatics. John Garen, is it? Good morning. Good morning. Is it Garen or Garen? Garen. Garen, yeah. John, you're, a, you're an expat living yep. here. Uh, right. Were you watching that last night? Yeah, I was, I was riveted, you know. Um, I, I expected something to happen, but did, was not expecting the, the Capitol building to be, um, you know, assaulted, basically. What were you thinking as you watched it? Crazy land. You know, I was glad to be in Ireland, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, I, I love America. Um, you know, and I think the, the fellow on this morning was right about, you know, it's a very small percentage of the people, but amazing the, the image that was broadcast out throughout the world, like, you know, China and Russia have to be delighted right now, um, you know, just to see the turmoil in the U.S. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping for better days. I think, I think Biden will, you know, kind of take the pressure off and, and, you know, maybe deal with some of the real problems. Mm. As I said earlier on, it was a bit like watching a movie or, yeah. or like watching an episode of, I don't know if you've seen it, Designated Survivors, something like that. Yeah, it was, it was unreal. Just surreal. It was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I called the, the boys up. I said, look, everybody sit, let's watch this because this is a historical moment. The Capitol building is being 
uh, you know, charged by the losing um, party here, and they're just, you know, this guy, it's going to go down in history that this has never happened before in America, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't, I don't, never thought that, like, there was going to be any real, you know, bombs going off or gunfire or anything like that, because it, it did look like a bunch of crazies, you know, just stirred up, but the police kind of looked like they, they weren't prepared. They just kind of let it happen, you know, and it seems mm-hmm. they should have known that, hey, there's a big protest coming. These guys like to carry guns. We need to be ready. Mm-hmm. And they didn't look like they were ready to me. Um, they, but, they looked like they were overrun, to be fair, yeah, until they brought in the, the National there, Guard. You know, they and should others. have had more out there or something. I don't know. Um, you know, mm-hmm. these guys have, have like, I, I, and I don't want to get off on, you know, what you talked about earlier, but if it had been a Black Lives Matter protest, I think it would have been a lot more protected you know i think there was like this hands-off attitude these folks won't go too far kind of thing but i don't know it 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 looked bad and i know that there are some countries out there that are america's enemies that are you know delighted with what happened uh i think most of your listeners and most people in ireland have come across americans by now and realize that this is not generally what american Americans are America is about, you know, most Americans are hardworking, honest, decent, good people, even the ones who voted for Trump, you know, um, most of them are decent folks. They just there's a small percentage that what's the saying, you know, one rotten apple spoils the batch. And they just kind of like the image that was presented to the rest of the world, like, wow, this is America. It looks more like a third world country. Yeah. Look, it is one of the principles of democracy. John, that that if you are unhappy with the outcome of the process, you are entitled to register your your displeasure uh, in in, in a peaceful way. Um, And and no doubt that Trump's supporters are unhappy with the outcome of of the election. Uh, But you do have the core element. Do you think that we focused too much on the small core element last night? Oh, I think so. I think that's what the press does. You know, um, not to berate the press, because, God, they've had a hard time, you know, but, like, the focus is always on this highlight the most, you know, the, let's make it sell papers and make it look as bad as it possibly can be. But, uh, I mean, it was bad. This was the capital of the United States of America that was, like, barged into to stop the transfer of power, just a certification, a ceremonial event, to try, but to stop the transfer of power from one president to the next. I mean, it was a major event, you know, and these people will go down in history for that, and it's going to be, they're on the wrong side. They're on the wrong side of history here. Um, but it, it, uh, hopefully Trump is taking the whole thing with him, and the whole sink ships, uh, the whole ship sinks, and we get back to like a little bit more well, stability in America. Well, well, there are those who consider he's already planning a run in 2024. Well, you know, I think he is too if he's not in jail. Um, he'll do whatever he can. He's going to scream the victim that uh, he's the victim for the rest of his life. Hopefully, he's dragging him in and out of court, you know. He's got a lot of cases waiting for him as soon as he's not president. He has no longer, you know, uh, presidential immunity from lawsuits. So I think there's a lot that he's going to, uh, that he's going to have to deal with. But yeah, he will. Looking at looking at your native land, John, and you say very much you love your country. Yeah. Would you be concerned that more might happen between now and inauguration day? Uh, I don't think so. There's some loose cannons out there still, but I think like what's people going to sit back and I think being sh- a lot of Trump supporters will be in shock 
and be like, this is not the way to do it, you know, because it's not there's the Trump supporters are a large group of people and they have varying degrees of like following Trump, you know, and going along with what he says. Some of them do it for his his the pocketbook, you know, he's going to make the stocks better, whatever. But they have different reasons. And I think the percent, the, the tiny percentage that showed up and did what they did last night at the Capitol or it just made it look like, wow. So the ones who are more ordinary folks, I would say, like, you know, we got to get out of this. And you see some of his cabinet, uh, I don't know if his cabinet, but some of the people in his administration are resigning over this. You know, they're like, this went too far. And Pence is distancing himself from Trump. Um, You know, some of the other bigger politicians there, Mitch McConnell came out and is distancing himself from him. But, yeah, I think you're right. Trump has tapped into some power, and he's probably going to use it and try to run again in uh, 2024. Well, we'll have we'll to see, see what happens. John, thank, thank yeah. you very much hey, uh, for yeah, your I call. I enjoy your show. And, uh, yeah, I kind of agree with Pat and Bantier. Like, I like Ireland because I don't hear about the crazy Trump stuff all the time. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's bad. I mean, I, 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 uh, my family even calls me and like, how's it look over there? I'm like, hey, there's, come on over. You know, there's room for you here. Well, we're, 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 glad, you, we're glad you like it here, John. And, yeah, yeah. and thanks ever so okay, much for, right. for joining right. us on the, on, the, on the program this morning. Cheers. That's John Garron, expat. 1850-715-996. I want to go back to the main story of the day, which is the plans for education. Schools are closed now for the rest of the month of January. Um, look, this time last year, or rather March of last year, they said they'd be back open again after Easter, and we all know what happened. So the end of January is kind of a target. Whether they'll hit it or not, nobody knows, and nobody will know for another week and a half, two weeks, I, I would dare to suggest. But there have been two, except, two exceptions to this. One is special needs education in primary level, and we talked to the INTO about that a little bit earlier on. The other one is what's happening with the Leaping Cert. Let us remind ourselves, Wayne, there, please, of what Michal Martin said yesterday afternoon in his... All schools must remain closed with teaching to move online. There will be two exemptions to this. Special education should remain open with protections in place. And Leaving Cert students should continue to attend attend school for three days a week from January the 11th. This has been a difficult decision. Education is the great equaliser and is the single most important factor in the great progress that this country has made since its foundation. The entire school and childcare community has undertaken heroic work over the last year, including the safe reopening of schools and childcare services which took place in September. But while all of the scientific and public health evidence shows that schools and childcare services remain safe environments, the spread of the virus has got to the point where we must simply stop as much mobility within the country as we possibly can for at least the next three weeks. We'll return to what he said about leaving certs next. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Cork's 96FM has identified many advantages to wearing a face mask. Save time and money by only having to do eye makeup. Forgot to shave? No problem, you're covered. And it's easier to avoid an ex because they probably won't recognise you. 
However, the main reason for wearing a face mask is the most vital to help stop the spread of coronavirus. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. We're masking for a friend. Thank you. From Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. So what we know is that the Leaving Search will be going back three days a week. It'll be up to individual schools, we think, what day, whether it'll be Monday to Wednesday or Wednesday to Friday or Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday and Friday or Monday, Wednesday and Friday, whatever the plan. It'll be up to the individual students themselves. Uh, Norma Foley, the Education Minister, wouldn't say yesterday whether or not she had checked this with Neffet to see could it actually be done. But I guess that's more for the political world. Let us speak again to two young people that we spoke with yesterday. One of them, Bernadette. Hi, Bernadette. Good morning. How are you? Good. You were... Yesterday when we spoke, you were wondering, would something be clear by the end of the day? Are you happy with what you heard later? Um, to be honest with you, I was expecting a change with the Leaving Search and like more clarity again on the Leaving Search. And the whole fact that we are expected to still do a full Leaving Search at the end of June, I think, is just a disgrace with the amount of time that we are going to lose attending school three days a week or not attending school um, we are still going to be losing in class time and to be expected to see a full leaving phase is just, I, with no pushback with no, with no differences I just think it's just, it, it will take a massive toll on mental health around the, uh, the nation um, in my opinion How do you feel about the actual three days though as in going into school? Um, I think in my opinion, I, I don't understand. Like, I know it, it might stagger COVID cases, but it's still... Like, I feel, and a lot of other students feel, that it is that we are, like, prioritising education over health, which shouldn't be the case. In, in um, Because people are still with families who have um, people who are at high risk or um, are older, and especially now with the new strand um, of COVID, um teenagers and children even are um it's easier to um carry the um disease but um yeah yeah so that's that's what i think of it and i just think like if you're bringing us back for the three days might as well bring us back for the full week you know what i mean it's there's no like what is the effect you know what i mean um yeah. yeah, your 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 line isn't isn't the absolute best there, Bernadette. I wonder could you maybe get a bit closer to the phone? No, oh, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what what um, school you go to, and it doesn't really really matter. Are, are you yourself going to go in next week? Um, personally, no, because um, my mom um, is high risk, and I don't want to um, kind of could. Like I don't want to risk it, you know. For me, like I, my education obviously matters most. Uh, it matters a lot, but obviously my mom's life and the people I, around me matter more. Do you know what I mean? And I, I don't want to be mm. risking someone else's life just for my like it, it's it's the choice between my future and someone else's life, which is like massive. I think, but um, yeah, you know, you have that's to. A big, that's a big choice to have to deal with. Yeah, of course. At 18 or 19. Yeah. What age, what age are you, Bernadette? Um, I'm 17. 
That's a big decision to have to make. So you, you won't be going in? Um, I, most likely I won't be going in because it's just... Even though I am a better in-class learner, I prefer being in classrooms and, like, I don't really like the remote learning and, like, the learning at home because it's essentially, like, teaching yourself. Um, but uh, I just, I don't want to, like, risk it. Um, okay. And it's best for other people as well. Okay. Well, good luck, Bernadette, and, and stay safe. And uh, Very much. Your, deci- your decision, I think, is, is already made. Zach, we spoke to Zach yesterday also. Zach, what do you think? Good morning. Good morning. What are your thoughts on, on the developments yesterday? We had no clarity this time yesterday. Now we have some three days. I'll start with the question I finished with Bernadette. Are you going to go in? Um, personally, I don't feel comfortable going in. Um, I'm not really sure yet, to be honest, but I wouldn't feel safe inside a school environment right now with the amount of cases that were announced last night. Yeah. In terms of going in for three days a week or regard five days a week, like being comfortable or not, is it possible to do the course this way? I wouldn't imagine so. I think even with five days a week, I think it still wouldn't be enough time because we've missed so much school and we're so far behind now at this point. Mm. They'd also be still, at least we think they are, going to put you all into the one class, which would kind of defeat the purpose, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would imagine so, because I don't see how it would work with timetables or, you know, even if they did split the classes with teachers, you know, how would that work? Mm. So you, you at this, have you heard from your school yet? I haven't, no. No, but you, you, you don't plan to go in Monday or Tuesday? No, I wouldn't feel comfortable going in. Okay, all right, leave it there. Zach, thank you ever so much. That's Zach and Bernadette, two out of both of them just think they don't feel comfortable going back in for three days. Is Aaron there, guys? We'll go to four. Wayne, Aaron, good morning to you. Hiya. Are you going to school? Um, I have seen the posts about the strikes and stuff, and I'm not too sure now. The councillor, Mick Barry TV, um, is after um, he's on a Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Our side, like, and he's trying to support us, so he's a live stream on Facebook and YouTube on Friday at 3 o'clock, so I think I'm going to listen into that and see what his opinion on us to he, go he back He was suggesting not. yesterday, he was here on the programme with me yesterday, Aaron, that, 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 that the Leaving Search to just be, be cancelled. 
like, do, do you, I don't know where you go to school, but do you plan on going in next week? I personally, I don't think it's safer, so I don't want to go in. I want to, this is why I'm ringing now, because I want to see, like, if enough of us are voicing up about it, because it's not fair enough, like, us having the mental health enough as it is, you know, to be going into school, never mind thinking about catching COVID and bringing it home to, to our families. We're going to be in the same bubbles in school anyway, in our classes, or in the contact with the same age people as we were before we left in December. So, like, mm. I sit, still just don't think it's safe for us to go back. Yeah. So you, and, don't, you um, don't particularly plan to go back? No, because I'm the head spy in Derbeck CBS. Right. So I'm in now. I'm, and that's why I want to voice my opinion, because I feel if we don't voice our opinions, we're not going to get anywhere. And... There's a petition going around and there's already 20,000 signatures out of the 60,000 leaving their students. And I feel like they're not listening to us at all. Mm. Mm. So, effectively, the students, are they going on strike or planning to go on strike? There's polls going around and, as far as I know, a good few of us are planning on it. Because if we don't act up about it, they're just going to go off as if we don't care and that we want to do it. So... I think it's a good idea for us to voice our opinions because they don't seem to be listening to us at all. In your position within uh, Clash Eamon Reach as, as head boy, you'd obviously have a lot of interaction with the teaching staff. Do you know how they feel about this arrangement? Well, I haven't really spoken to much of them, but I've spoken to the principal, all right. And mm. I've told him about, like, because I've um, asked around for all my friends that are in my class and in my in my year. And I've also asked in the local schools for my friends that I know from the schools around there. And they've all said the same. They've all given me different points to talk about when I was ringing here. And they're all saying the same, like that they're not listening to us at all. But when I rang my principal, I said that our mental health is more important than a piece of paper at the end of it. And we've already enough stress because we haven't covered the courses. And if we were to go yeah. back in February, we're going to be doing our pre's. So he was like, yeah, yeah, I, I completely get where you're coming from. I think it's not fair at all what they're doing to you because it's true, like, they're not listening to us at all. We've missed three months of the course last year and now we're, where we might be missing a month as of now um, if we do go on strike, which we should. Um, and I just don't think it's fair what, what they're doing to us at all. Speak to me a little bit about the, the, the mental health element, seeing again as you are the head boy for for this particular year you'll be talking to your colleagues a lot and talking I suppose to your teachers a lot mental health is a term that's put out there a lot Aaron like as a youngster sitting the leaving cert or hoping to sit the leaving cert this year what's going through your mind anyway and what does this current situation cause to to to, to add to the mix personally I'd say like when I've been asking my friends around like one of the lads that's in my ear he has a nan that's very sick and his mom and dad would be high risk. So if he goes into school and catches it, um, you know, he already has the stress on top of having to learn all of his subjects and revise the work that we've done already on top of knowing that if he brings it home to his family that he could potentially give it to them and they could pass away from it. Like, you know, and it's saying you know, the healthy people can also suffer really bad from the new strain of yeah. it. So there's also that on top of playing on your mind the whole time. Like, you know, um, also like the stress of not being able to socialise with your friends to escape from the study 
you can't even go yeah. out with each other um, for an hour just to escape from being in, looking at our books all day. And, like, um, their excuse then is, oh, you're at home, like, all the time. Now is your time to put in the study, but we need a break from being able to, to study all the time too. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on for everybody. Aaron, thank you very much for your call. Uh, very enlightening. That's Aaron Deneen, his head boy for the 2021 year at Kloshta Eamon Rish Deer Park. Not just the schools, the construction is closed I think it's at 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. All non-essential private construction sites must close until the end of, of January. Now, I think they're going to allow... I brought up the situation yesterday, supposing someone is waiting for windows to go in or, or waiting for essential damp proofing or weather proofing to be done in the form of... Uh, or as part of a, a redevelopment or something, that they'll be allowed to finish that. But then they've got to get off site. But Sheila, you disagree I think completely with oh, the do, closure anyway. PJ. I do PJ because why should private be, you know, stopped and the public part of the building go on? Mm. Well, social no housing will continue, school building will continue, yes, hospital there's people building. Like PJ out there who have mortgages set up now and they're in rental properties and they're paying rent and trying to secure their mortgage at the same time. Should they be mm. a necessity? Yeah. And then, you know, the whole, whatever they're renting, won't that be there for the people, for other people who can't try to get places at the moment? I mean, what go for one should go for them all. It's like going to Bogor with your point. There was no sense in that either. Yeah. So, so you, know? you think so either they close, close them all? Down, they close, either close them all or leave them all open. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, how can it be safe for the public building and not for the private building? Yeah. They're talking about, for example, the children's hospital that will continue or social housing yes. projects. How social housing, that will yeah, but private housing should go. I mean, what's the difference? They're working the same way, you know? Yeah. And I don't see the sense of it. I don't think that they're putting enough thought into these things. Yeah, but Sheila, there are huge numbers of people. In I agree, hospital. but then close the whole lot down, PJ. Close the whole lot down if that's the case. Close the whole lot for the two months and see where we go. Right, so don't leave anything open, no? No, but I think this is unfair the way they're doing it. Okay. I knew I had Mr. Ruffin on there last night on the news saying it was unfair and how they don't talk to them. You know, they can do the safe distance because of the business they're in. They have to be doing safe things. Yeah. You know, they're they're more clued in, I say, than anyone else about safety of stuff. Right. Sheila, you know? thank you for your thank you very much for your call. Thank you, Happy New thank Year. Thank you. So, and to you. Sheila reckons every construction site should be closed or none of them should be closed one or the other. And the point she was making there about how on-site builder building workers are doing the level best they can. I have to say we were getting some work done on Coogan Towers before we finished up there before Christmas and I would have to say that the lads who were doing our work could not have been more careful. They could not have been more careful. They could not have been more conscious of the safety requirements. Uh, and at the time, this was during Level 5. The last time, the pre-Christmas Level 5, they didn't have to shut down. Now, we did have a thing where we could only have one worker in one room and one worker in another room, and that you like to swarm the place with fellas to get all the work done. That wasn't possible. But certainly, uh, the lads who worked on our place... 
uh, were so careful. Um, very, very impressive. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. Rescheduled from April 2020, comedian Milton Jones returns to Cork with his new show, Milton Impossible, and the new show will take place at Cork Opera House on Tuesday, April 27th. Tickets are now on sale from CorkOperaHouse.ie. Access all areas. Tom Jones 2020 date at the Marquee has been rescheduled for Wednesday, June the 2nd, 2021. Tickets are now online and available from usual outlets. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show coming up in 2021 or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now 083 396 On Cork's 96FM. Something else happening under level 5. Uh, Mint pointed out a while ago. It just slipped my mind with the, again our message. All different messaging platforms rammed this morning, which is great to see, and thank you for them all. We'll get to as many as we can. Due to the surge in COVID-19 infections and the national move to Level 5 restrictions, this comes from the Ireland South Women and Infants Directorate at CUMH. They must regretfully temporarily pause partners attending the routine 20 to 22-week anatomy scan with effect from Monday. So the 20 to 22-week scan. Partners were allowed to attend that. They changed that recently. That's been changed back now. So unfortunately, uh, partners cannot attend scans from Monday. I'm sure there'll be some reaction to that. 1850-715-996. Remember, the podcast for the programme will be up in mid-afternoon. And catch up on anything that you've missed when when you get that online between 2 and 3. With the schools closing, of course, uh, until at least the end of January and we're saying at least because we remember the last time and other than the exceptions like the leave inserts supposed to go in three days a week or the special needs classes being kept open for the rest of you what happens now like like how do how do parents approach the next few weeks like they're not teachers Uh, they don't know how this is supposed to be done um they, they don't know how to how to impart information and educate children they don't they're just parents they're, they're not teachers i remember when my own kids were in in school going age C- could i have sat down with them and got them through uh, their schoolwork I, I don't think i could katrina dr katrina o'sullivan the digital skills lecturer in maynooth university katrina good morning good morning your message to people is don't be too hard on yourself yeah, exactly. I think um, we as parents are in a really stressful situation, same as the children at the moment. We've never, it's unprecedented what we're experiencing at the moment. And I think it's a really important message for parents to just do what they can do and do that as well as they can, but just don't be too hard on themselves. Like, realistically, children are in school for a very long time. One year in most of the children's lives being out of school is not going to make a huge difference and 
the other message that I'd have is that while, yeah, we don't know how to deliver the curriculum, we really know how to teach kids lots of different things. And I see this time as a, as a possibility to, to engage with my children in different ways. Teach them about cooking, teach them about routine, teach them about, you know, the weather, about pandemic, talk to them about different things. Um, yeah, so life just, skills, I guess. Life skills, and that's what education is supposed to be about. It's about life skills. Now, to be to be fair, when I say don't be honest, to, don't be hard on yourself. Like I, as a person who is educated myself, really found it difficult to homeschool my children. I gave up after three weeks in March of last year because I just didn't have the skills and and the time to do the work. And, and wait, I, you're, a lect- you're a lecturer. You're a lecturer. You are an I, educator. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not a teacher, and also. I'm actually, you know, trying to work myself full time and and teach my own children and keep up the curriculum that I'm not familiar with. The stresses and strains of that were just too much for me. Um, and I've done research on this, like, over the last year. And a, a lot of families are in the same position. We might compare ourselves as parents and say, oh, she's doing this or she, he's doing that. But the reality is most parents didn't fully homeschool. They just did the best they could. And my advice would be, relax, you know, do what you can, look at your own life, look at your own family and do what suits your family. In my family right now, I have a 12-year-old who's in sixth class, I have a 17-year-old who's in leaving cert and I have a 15-year-old. And they're really stressed at the moment. So for me, I'm focusing minimally on what's in the curriculum and mostly on just engaging with them in a positive way and out for walks, talking to them, watching telly together, cooking meals together. That's it. That's the limit in my home. Because more important, You made a very interesting point yeah. there a minute or two ago about the fact that, look, by the end of the pandemic, and, and hopefully we'll be done and dusted with this blaster thing before the end of the year, by then they may have lost the best part of a year to a year yeah. and a bit in school. Mm. Your belief is that in the long term that really won't do them a whole pile of harm? Realistically, I personally don't think it will. I think... That, but there are certain years that are going to have it's going to have an effect on. For example, the leaving cert. I do think, though, we have an opportunity here to cons- reconsider what we view education to be. There is a move in Europe, in the world, to move towards a more skill-focused education system, an education system where kids learn to collaborate, to be creative, to be so. As long as your children are engaging in activities that are using their mind on a daily basis, that are actually, you know, collaborative and creative and enjoyable, I actually don't think it's going to be too detrimental. Unfortunately, we do have an, um, a system at the moment which merits, you know, memory tests, which is the leaving cert. So unfortunately, there are a group of children who will be negatively affected because of how we assess them. But I do think it's a really good opportunity for us as an education, uh, in education to reflect on what we value and what we see. And my view is that, no, it's not going to have a, a massive uh, impact mm. on the majority of kids. Actually, some you, of the stuff is good. good. 
Sorry, I missed that. Yeah, some of the stuff that children are learning is really good. Like, my 12-year-old has learned all about vaccines, about immunisation, about how to manage stress, about how to keep connected to his friends in ways that are not the norm. So there's been a whole different move towards online learning. So there's been a whole opportunity to learn different skills during this time. Now, I sound really positive right now. There's been times where I've been ripping my hair out over the last year thinking, what can I do to engage these kids and get them out of bed? So I'm nowhere near perfect in terms of my parenting. But I do, upon reflection, think it's not as, it's not as harmful as what it could be. And, it, and there are things that we can teach our kids that are going you know, to last them a lifetime in this position. Your own story, I think, gives you a particular insight to this, Katrina. You mm. yourself were, were an early school leaver at yeah. 15. Yeah, so I left school at 15. I was pregnant, homeless. I was in a hostel. My son was born in a hostel. So, I, you know, I've lost education. I recognise that, you know, um, there's many ways to be successful in education and it doesn't always have to be in the um, regular way. I wouldn't recommend anybody leaving school and doing what I did because it was really hard. But I am, I suppose, an example of how you can achieve big good things with the right supports and the right systems in place. Hmm. You blog as well, Katrina, in case people would like to read your thoughts on this. What's, where can we find your blog? Well, you can look at, uh, yeah, uh, the All Institute in Maynooth University, Assisting Living and Learning. We have a blog there. And I have an Instagram page, Katrina underscore O'Sullivan, um, where I talk about research, and then on Twitter. So you can find me in all them places. But the All Institute in Maynooth, we talk an awful lot about assisting living and learning. Okay. Listen, uh, a pleasure to have your insight today on the opinion line. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Katrina O'Sullivan, Digital Skills Lecturer from Maynooth. Relax. The kids will be grand. They'll be all right. This won't have any real long-term effect on them, especially the young ones. And don't put too much pressure on yourself to be trying to cram stuff into their little heads over the next couple of weeks. I think that that is really wonderful, solid advice. Thanks, Katrina. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Is Navin in Cavan? No, Demi, there's just rhyme. Navin is in Mead. Cavan is a county. So what is the city in Navin? Are you being serious right now? It's a town, it's not a city. Wait, hold on. Who was your geography teacher? I knew Again. geography. <laughs> that explains everything. So good. Lorraine and Demi. Lorraine and Demi. Live. If you want to hear me trying to figure out what's going on in Demi's brain, Saturdays. Tune in to us to see what else Demi figures out. Lorraine and Demi. Live. Saturdays, 2 to 6 p.m. On the best music mix. Corks 96 FM. Corks 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. We're just watching my Twitter feed this morning, people discussing the schools and other such coronavirus-related stories. I think my block finger will be getting much, much use this afternoon. Some of the idiots popping up. 
might read some of it afterwards. Then again, maybe not. I want to platform them. Anyway, bit of fun before uh, 11 o'clock. We'll check up on the weather shortly and how much more lovely schnockta we can expect. But um, when you submit your CV for a job, we all know that's important for the CV to stand out because when someone's getting a couple of dozen CVs, you need to have a, a good CV that tells the employer, hang on, read me, I'm interesting. That's what happened with D. Um, definitely. And, and it led to a kind of a life-changing moment. We're going back a while with this. Um, yeah. You were applying for a job and, and your friend decided to edit your CV. What happened? Yeah, well, um, I had been working in the, the current job at the time for about 10 years or so. So it was a very serious decision to, to move jobs, right? Um, I'd been working in retail and in management for over 10 years and I had never had a Saturday off. I'd never had a working since I was 15. I'd never had a Christmas off or anything and I got to the point where I wanted a life, right? Mm. Um, and I thought, nine to five. So I'd been heavily involved in recruitment and mentoring and training and uh, yeah, I had quite a lot of responsibilities in the current job. So I, I like the idea of recruitment and HR. So those of the type of positions I was applying for. So uh, a good friend of mine who works um, in, where, where is she working? Yeah, in, in CIT. But she, she works in that kind of area. So she, Emily, said that she'd help me out with the format of the CV because I'd never done a, a proper professional CV before, you know. It's mm-hmm. been years. So Emily took the CV. I gave her all the points and I had a lot of experience. So she said, look, make, and she did say, to be fair, when she emailed it back and she said, look, do make sure you read through everything now before you send it in. And you know yourself, like, I trusted her completely, obviously. And I read down, you know, that yes, all my basic information was correct, you know, my roles, responsibilities and so on. And yeah, fine. But I didn't follow through and read, you know, other interests. I didn't read underneath that because I had what put... What did you put into other interests? Well, I'll tell you now, I had put in um, reading, you know, walking, the boring kind of things that, you know, not very active at all. And Emily had put in... Um, I, I'd also, I'd really like this job because you're just upstairs from an off license, which w- would be handy on a Friday, you know? <laughs> um, but again, I never read it. Now, at the, the time, I sent that CV out to a couple of places and only one replied. Now, I thought this was the norm, you know, I, I just didn't think anything of it. I was invited for an interview uh, for a recruitment office in, um, oh no, yeah, no, this was just the recruitment office. It was the recruitment office out on Thomas Davis Street in Blackpool where there is, is it a Galvin's or an O'Driscoll's office? It's a big off there. out there. It's yeah, still yeah, there, yeah. yeah. So the yeah. building was, oh, it was upstairs there. It's long since gone now. Um, the, the business is called um, Alex Harp Recruitment. Right. And I went in, I was really nervous. First interview in, I mean, again now, over 10 years. And I went in and I did my best and the interview seemed to go really well. Um, and they thanked me and we were getting ready to leave. And I remember we were all standing and we're like, thank you very much. And then they kind of looked at each other and they said, look, we, we have to ask you. I said, yes. And they said, you know, about your CV. And I said, yes. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, we've just gone through everything. And they said, um, uh, under the other interest, you know, what possessed you to put that there, right? <laughs> and I thought, Sorry, I, I I felt incredibly stupid. I was, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I I can't remember even what I put down. I said I'm, I'm I'm sorry. And he said about you know about the off license on a Friday. And I was like, what? 
And I, I was like, look, oh, I, I have no idea. And and to this day now, Ryan says, my whole face, I, it's just like I went red from the bottom of my toes all the way up to the top of my head. I kind of went puce. And I remember I wanted the ground to swallow me up. I was so embarrassed. I was like, what? Now, everybody was laughing about it, obviously. And, and the interview had gone well. So I suppose at that stage, they thought, this isn't the person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This doesn't fit. Hold it doesn't on now. sound... You got you got the job. That that's not that, that. But that's not the punchline here. You mentioned oh. Ryan said to this day you ended yeah. up marrying one of them. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, the two two talent. It was Brendan and Ryan interviewed me for the role. And you know, in in these interviews, uh, one asked all the questions and one te- seemed to be taking notes, right? And I remember at the very end, now I had worked, okay, I had worked in a, a monsoon in town for years and years. And at the very end, before this was, you know, before they mentioned anything about the, the pub or, or the off license, um, we were leaving and all the questions were done. And then Ryan said, so um, what, what exactly is monsoon? And I was like, I've just sat here for an hour telling you all about what I was doing for 10 years in monsoon, which was retail and blah, blah, blah. And um, I remember thinking, Jesus, he's an odd one, you know? And I came out thinking, he kind of bulked me, you know? Um, but then the ice was broken about the off-licence, and it was afterwards I was thinking, Jesus, did he not listen to anything I was saying the whole time? But of course, <laughs> as the story goes now, Ryan says he just fell madly in love with me when he saw me, and he was just oh, doodling God. the whole time, and he just couldn't look at me, couldn't talk to me, couldn't ask a question. Oh, really? But anyway, that's, that's his story. Um, oh, you listen. But when I told him yesterday, he was laughing. He'd completely forgotten about it. And he was in stitches again this morning telling the kids, oh, yeah, mommy wrote this on her CV. And he swears, uh, he won't come on the radio, right? But he was like, the only reason, the only reason they called me for that interview was because of what it said in that last paragraph on the CV. Because he said, we had to see what We had to talk to this person. Who would put that on the CV? So Emily it's Jones, it's your I'm, fault. Oh, brilliant. I'm going to have to run because I've got to get one more thing in before 11. That's brilliant, though. Uh, that's brilliant. Thanks very much no for worries. that. No D- worries. D- D- Cheers. 1850 715 That's the best story ever. Let us go to Alan O'Reilly at Carlo Weather. Lovely bit of schnockta around this morning. Alan, is it going to continue or is this cold spell going to continue? Good morning. Good morning. Um, so we have another two cold nights certainly ahead. It will struggle to get above probably four or five degrees in Cork today. Um, so a little bit of tall, but not a lot. And don't really expect any more snow um, down south. But a cold night again tonight and a very cold night again um, tomorrow night. But it will start to turn less cold then from Sunday and by Monday, we'll be getting back up to 10 degrees, um, mm. at least for a little while. Yeah, we've had a, quite a lengthy cold spell now. Uh, you look at all the various models there at, at your base. Is that unusual for the time of year? Yeah, temperatures have been well below normal now for, for really from the end of December and the first, uh, I suppose, week of, of January at this stage. And they they had, December had been a little bit cooler than average anyway. But yeah, we had a much colder, much colder weather than recent days. Um, and as I said, it is still going to continue until the end of the week. It's going to be next week before we see a change. And then we have a sudden stratospheric warming event that's happening high above yes. us in the atmosphere. Could, could we get a beast from the east, Alan? 
the we game. We could, but but it doesn't always mean that. It, it it certainly does increase the chances of more cold weather returning. Probably around the the last week or so of January, maybe a little bit um, hard to tell yet. But certainly we do see a risk of cold spell coming back again towards the end of the month or maybe even into February. Um, but it is very hard to predict. We, we did see that in 2018, the sudden stratospheric warming. We saw the beast from the eastern storm, Emma. But we did also have a sudden stratospheric warming last year and it had no real impact on our weather. So it's wait and see, really, Peter. OK, we'll catch up again, no doubt, over the next couple of weeks. Thanks very much, Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather. We are facing into some very, very cold nights before it starts to get a little bit milder next week. That's that's roughly it. Just on the subject of the Chief Medical Officer, before I go to the news, caller says you pronounce his name Holohan. It is meant to be pronounced Houlihan, and he himself is on record as saying it annoys him that people can't get it right. It's a spelling variation of Houlihan. Yeah, that's what I think trips me up, I have to say, caller. I'm aware of the fact that he prefers to be called Dr. Houlihan, but his spelling, there's no U in it. So I think when you're glossing over it, you tend to go Houlihan. I must try harder. Thank you for pointing it out to me. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1857 is the number to call. Text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter at opinionline96. And of course, the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. A reminder to you also that we podcast the show every afternoon. Usually, it's available uh, around 2 o'clock, between 2 and 3 o'clock, depending on how busy we are behind the scenes. It goes up first via our Twitter, at Opinion996, and then it makes its way onto the Quark's 96FM phone app and all the other various platforms. We podcast the show every afternoon, so you can catch up with anything you may have missed a little earlier on this morning. Just some comments to clear, because I have loads of them, and we're very very busy across all the platforms this morning with regard to construction and whether or not the sites should reopen. Sheila was on in the last hour passionately saying that, look, the sites should open, either open them all or close them all. Yvonne says, yes, all construction sites should be closed to stop the spread of the virus. It's the only way. What's the difference between private and social housing? The people are still working in groups and there's no social distance. Close everything. Simple as that. And here's one from an anonymous source. Um, It's interesting, though. I've worked in construction all over. You'll find about 60% of sites are staffed by mostly Northern Irish staff. Really? The balance of staff come from all over the Republic. This is just the way the Dublin construction labour market works. It means the Northern Ireland infections are being introduced to workers all over Ireland in Dublin and they bring it home again. Well, of course, we all know the whole border argument at the moment. 1850 Last night, of course, was uh, Women's Christmas, although we all end up watching, watching the state of affairs unfold at the White House rather than doing anything Women's Christmassy at all. Queen Bee was fascinated by the, the scenes at the Capitol, I may tell you. Uh, All the Christmas lights and Christmas trees and Christmas decorations should now be down and in their boxes and away in the attic. But some people have decided to keep them up, Uh, keep something up for a couple of weeks just to keep some cheer, just to keep some joy at these dark times. And down in Crosshaven, they're leaving up some of the community lights, the public lights in, in public areas. Uh, it was uh, Deirdre's idea. Uh, you got it a couple of days ago. Deirdre, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? 
I'm not too bad at all. We all, we all love the bit of cheer that the lights give us. And kind of the 7th of January can be a dark, dull old night when everything is yeah. gone from the house and everything is gone from the streets. So you'll be leaving stuff up down there. Well, first of all, no, um, it wasn't my idea as such. It was just something um, that popped into my head, but I'm sure it was an idea that everybody had. You know, I was here the other night and I was looking out the window and it was a, a gloomy all night and, and I was saying, thank God the lights are on. You know, it really was cheerful and it was um, it was lovely and I was saying, oh my God, this time next week now the lights will be off and it'll be it'll be awful. Do you know what I mean? It'll be, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard enough at the moment and I just thought... So I threw an old post up on our local notice board um, Facebook page and I just said, yeah. look, I'll, I'll fly an idea here. And I have to say that, that the the response was fantastic. Do you know, yeah. people uh, who I don't even know, didn't even know, lived in the village, do you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and they all said the same thing and I thought it was marvellous. I really did. Now, subsequently, I found out that the local development committee who looks after the the lights and do a fantastic job, they were leaving the lights up because um, of COVID. They couldn't get out to, to get them down and uh-huh. and um, it, w- it was great and and the, um, the local development committee um, set up a, um, a GoFundMe page to to cover the costs. Because yeah. obviously I mean, they run up a bit of an electricity bill, and, and who yeah. who gets hit for that bill? Oh, the the, the development committee um, look after all of that under the community association. Um, so this year, I mean, I mean, the costs would have to be covered, obviously, and people didn't have any problem with that. That mm. was absolutely no problem. Like uh, all the lights, I don't know if you've seen the lights in Crosshaven, but I mean, they're beautiful. They're lovely. They're the, lovely. The, yeah. And and this year, um, throughout the village. There was a whole new set from, we'll say, from the pier over into um, into the square, all mm. along the village frontage. There was new poles put up, and new lights, and everything. Along there by the now, harbour wall, it was really lovely, wasn't it? Lovely yeah, bright. yeah, beautiful. Now they cost a pretty penny, That's and um, now the development company they do um, they do fundraise during the year, like with. With um, sales of the, they do a beautiful calendar at Christmas, um, and different things, and and they benefit from the triathlon here, and different mm. things and whatever. But like, uh, I I just thought it was a great idea. Yeah, so because, you've got the money, and you're going to lead them mm, up, and of course, work mm. like this anyway. Even if work was going to, uh, if if work had been planned to start to take them down, it can't mm. now because of no. level five restrictions. So you're just going to going to leave them up, which is a, exactly. a really nice idea. Also, we're hearing, Deirdre, that down in Carrigaline and Manan, they're planning the same thing. Well, do you know what? Now, I saw something um, I, I read it online and, and I thought, fabulous, absolutely yeah. fabulous. If they can do it and it brings a bit of cheer and it brings a bit of uh, brightness to people's lives at the moment, so mm. be it. Like, personally, we're going to leave our own lights on outside uh, I have to take down the Christmas tree because um, we need space. My yeah. um, working from home, um, yeah. so um, but we're going to leave on our lights outside. 
just because it, I just I just think it would be lovely. I just yeah. think it would be nice for people and a, a bit of cheer and a bit of brightness. And yeah. how, So how I long do you was, plan to leave them up for? As far as I know, it's until the end of January. Now, okay. the thing with the lights in Crosshaven is that because they're up on these new poles and whatever, we the, 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 we might be able to use them during the summer on a nice summer's night to have the lights lighting. I mean, they're not, there's a standing charge there, so they're left on. Um, so it's, there's no connection fee for the, the Christmas, do you know what yeah. I mean? So uh, I, I just think it would be a lovely idea. Nice. Like I mean, I think the money will be used towards the lights for next year. I think the plan yeah. is uh, over by the Shukovny Pier, there's um, there's more lights planned for over there and to light them properly, tie them into yeah. the grid. So, I mean, I just think it'll be nice. And I, oh, I yeah. like across the country or wherever they're thinking of, 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 of if they're public lighting, I, I just think it'll be nice. Actually, if they can afford it's, it's, to do it's, it's, it, I just think it'll be nice. Do you know it's what a nice mean? idea. And with, with so much LED now, with so much of the lights gone LED, the, the cost yeah. of doing it is less than what it used to be. Dear, I'll leave it there with you. To, uh, thanks, thanks very much. Cheers. No that's a, so down in Crosshaven, they're leaving on the lights probably until the end of January. Hearing from Carrigaline, that's also a plan. Manan Bridge as well. Uh, lots of people doing it in their houses. I was seeing that on my social during the week. Just leaving up one little thing, even if it's only a little candle bridge in the window, or in our case here, we've got this tiny little thing. We bought it a couple of years ago. It's, it's battered at this stage now, but we love it. It's a little tree that we picked up in, in Lidl a few years ago. It's just these white lights on a, on a pole, but it looks lovely in the dark. I think we might leave that open in the garden for, for another couple of weeks, just to add a little bit of cheer to these dark, dreary old evenings. 1850-715-996. There was to be a publican come on to demand to open the pubs immediately. I, I'd love to know what his reasoning would have been, but I, I, I think he's chickened out at this stage. He, he may not be up to it. Uh, I agree with the leaving certs, says this message. Um, they've just explained their COVID experience and how it's affecting them and others. It's a disgrace what they're doing with our mental health and also risking our lives for the leaving cert. They're saying health before wealth, but the way they're acting, they surely are doing the complete opposite. I'm assuming that that person is from uh, a student background. Oh, we had the wrong number for our publican, so if he wants to contact us again, we'd be only, only too delighted to hear from him. Uh, on the schools again, who's going to pay parents teaching their kids? Sending homework by email is not remote learning or teaching. It's a joke. If they're keeping kids at home, raise the child benefit. Linda is a frontline worker. She says her son, who's sitting the Leaving Cert, also feels very strongly that he should not go in for uh, the three days. And all of the students that we spoke to this morning uh, said they're not actually going to go in. They don't want to go in, and they probably won't go in. But again, these kind of comments come in. If the teachers find it too dangerous to go back, that's fine. But put them on a COVID payment because there's lots of people who are working and who can't decide they don't want to work because of the danger like doctors, nurses, guards, firemen, etc. I have a relative says this caller who teaches special needs. His wife is high risk. The special needs children can be very affectionate, even pulling off your mask and things like that. It's not easy to control it because they mean so well and they don't understand. I don't think the special needs schools should be reopening 
next week. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696. On Cork's 96 FM. Staying with the, the leaving cert and the plans announced yesterday uh, by the Cabinet or by uh, Norma Foley in particular for the leaving cert, which to remind you, in case you've been asleep until now, that they're going to take the leaving shares back in three days a week. At least that's the plan. They take them back in three days a week. Uh, it doesn't matter what particular three days a school chooses to open, be it Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, or Tuesday, or Thursday. You know yourself. They don't particularly mind as long as the students get back three days a week, the leaving cert students. Now, yesterday in an interview on RTE, Norma Foley was asked three times whether she'd actually consulted Neffet with regard to this uh, decision and three times she dodged the answer uh, completely. So no one seems to know whether she did or not. Uh, I'm sure one of the people who'd like to know whether she did or not is Anne Piggott uh, from the Association of Secondary Teachers in Ireland. Anne, good morning again. Good morning, how are you? Good. Do you know if she asked Neffet for their opinion? Do you think she should have? Well, that's what we wanted when we wrote and we asked for health advice surrounding any decision made in relation to schools. I did hear Minister Donnelly on a programme earlier and he read a piece from a letter from the Chief Medical Officer but to me it didn't sound con- a convincing reason to open schools. The letter said something like, you know, that levels were very high, very dangerous and it wasn't appropriate for schools to open in full. Now, does that mean that it's okay to open schools where you have, in my mind, up to 80,000 people wandering around three days a week? Yeah, because there's 60,000 students and of course there's there's teachers and the other staff needed to, to, to open the doors of a school. Again, touching base, I suppose, with your own members uh, this morning and last evening, Anne, how are they feeling? Well, I have had a very busy day yesterday since this news broke. Um, I've had texts, phone calls, emails all the time, up until very late last night. And again this morning, my members are very worried. They're worried about going into schools with this um, really high transmissible virus and they're just worried. They're worried about bringing something home to vulnerable relations. They're worried about being in classrooms with 30, 18 and 19 year olds next week when everybody else in the country is told to stay at home practically. Does it concern you at all that you don't seem to have any communication from the Minister to the effect that she was going to do this? Well, it does, because we had a meeting last Monday where we were told schools were going to open in full. We had another meeting yesterday. It wasn't a very long meeting. It was more a briefing, and we were told this was going to happen. But I had already heard it on the news before that. So, yeah, we're very worried. Now, we do have another meeting again this evening. And following on from that, we have an executive meeting with um, my union in the morning. Now, you're... um Another union in the second level, the TUI, uh, they wouldn't be drawn on it this morning as to whether they might just not not do this. Is there any possibility, and I know you'll probably have to tell me that you must defer to your executive, and I, I would appreciate that, but in your, in your position as president, you might at least speculate a little. Is there going to be a possibility that ASTI members just won't do this? 
Well, I've heard already about students who mightn't go to school for a start. Yeah. Uh, we are meeting um, the department with health advice this evening. Following all of that, we are meeting our executive tomorrow morning. And I'm afraid I have to tell you that it will be, it, you know, the, the executive will decide in the morning. What's your sense, Anne? I don't know, but there is huge worry um, and, and it's un- totally understandable why there is worry. And questioning as well, why three days next week, three days the following week, maybe three days again? Why not just leave it for a week or two and then go back? And, yeah. and I also want to, um, I really have to raise the point that even if they don't go back next week, it doesn't mean they won't have a leaving cert. There will be remote learning. The Leaving Cert paper has already been modified. Papers have been modified and projects have been modified. And a little bit more of that could mean that students will get an exam that will be doable, where they'll have choice, where they won't be stressed, and where they'll have um, results from an exam that's been marked in a standardised manner, you know, Mm. throughout the whole country. And and nobody would have to worry. But as for the rush to get everyone back, the Leaving Cert back next week, when it's highly dangerous to do so, I would think... Um, is really concerning for our memory. Talk to me a little bit about that that, uh, modification you mentioned. Are you saying that in the setting of the papers for 2021, that that consideration has been given to the possibility that that COVID might might have a role to play in the exam? Yes, and based on the fact that um, the current, the students who are doing their leaving certs um, in June, the fact that they missed some time at school last year, that has already been taken into account. And even with project work that has been sent out, um, it might be slightly different to usual. It might be slightly less complicated. Um, and also in relation to exam papers, some modifications have already been made. So, for example, if there was a section on a math paper where they had to do six questions, they now might have to do five out of six and they're given a choice. And I would expect that if they miss more schooling, well, more choices and more modifications can be made to mm. suit them. So they wouldn't is there a be... Danger in the, is there a danger we would then compromise the integrity of the exam? No, because I think standards would still have to be maintained and a lot of work would still have to be done. But it wouldn't be, you know, tremendously upsetting for students where everybody would know that they could go into an exam that they could do based on the amount of schooling that they would have had. Now, we know across the United Kingdom and into Northern Ireland, they've made the decision to cancel the GCSEs and the A-levels for this year. There's a de- very much a determination on behalf of uh, the Minister of Education and indeed the Taoiseach that the Leaving Cert will go ahead this summer as planned. Do, do the teachers share that determination? Very much, and we very much welcome the commitment to do that. We really, really want the exams to go ahead and even modified exams in some way. We really want that because the calculated grades process wasn't um, the best process in the world to be using. It worked last year. It's done. There were several problems with it during it and after it, and we really would not like to revisit that. There is Mm. nothing better than a very fair, transparent exam that will be corrected independently by the State Exams Mm. Commission. But the students are saying... Uh, those that are speaking out and their representatives such as they are, they are saying, well, no, just just cancel it because we, our mental health, our, the stress levels, we're trying to deal with many different kinds of stress. Just just make a decision now and cancel the thing. Would you agree with any of that? No, but I can, I can totally understand their stress levels. 
But if it's cancelled, then what do they do? And do they face the same problems as last year? And teachers would certainly face problems. Like we had teachers who were told to work out what a student would have got had they sat an exam. So we had some teachers, for example, geography teachers, correcting, uh, working out a mark for a geography student. And some students had done exams. There were other teachers working out grades for students who hadn't even started their geography project. So all those all those factors came into play. There was nothing to guide teachers as to how to mark them, what standard to use. Whereas if we're talking about an exam um, looked and monitored by the State Exam Commission, there is a set marking scheme. Everybody is marked the same. It's very fair. And as I say, exam papers can be modified. The content can be changed to suit people. They would still be doing a very good exam. They would be very credible and fair at the end, especially in relation to points for um, exam or for college courses later. Mm. Coming back finally, so Anne, to, to where we started with a view to this arrangement that the Minister once put in place for next week. Your executive will meet tomorrow. Will there be a statement afterwards? I would imagine so, but I suppose we have today to get through yet. We're meeting the department and let's see if any further progress can be made there and following on. What do you want, like, as, as president? Uh, before you go into that executive meeting tomorrow, Anne, what what more do you want to know? I want to know, is it safe for people to be at school next week? I, I want maybe a commitment that it might be better to let the, the numbers peak and fall before any Leaving Cert is sent back into school or any student. That's what we want. We want to make sure it's safe, a safe for the we want to make sure it's safe for everybody and we wouldn't mind um, waiting a little while for the schools mm. to open and we're ready to engage in remote learning next week. All right. Okay. And thank you very much, as always, for joining us on The Opinion. Thank, and of course, thank you too. Today. Thanks very much. Cheers. That's Anne Piggott, President of the Association of Secondary Teachers. Not happy uh, about not being consulted and they're looking for all this information. And Graham Manning, uh, who's been on the show with me many times, has been tweeting during the morning. Uh, and I think people are, are agreeing with him that to make such a decision for the government or the minister to make such a decision without consulting with key stakeholders like the teachers' unions and people like that was ridiculous because it just went and made a decision and they didn't consult people like Anne Piggott. 1850-715-996, although on the phone, if I hear any more about teachers, I'll blow a fuse. Some people have to work all day and extra hours. After nine hours a day, they're then expected to help their children. Why aren't the teachers doing this online? And the salaries they're on compared to many of those desperately trying to hold on. Yeah, teacher bashing happens every time this comes up, like the other call earlier on this morning. Well, if the teachers don't want to go into school, put them on the pop. It's, it's not helpful. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't resolve anything. But I can see where it comes from. 1850 715 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. <laughs> So you've got a smartphone or tablet. 
then get the must-have app. So you can take us everywhere. Download the Cork's 96FM app today. And listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and get all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, speaker. ask it to play Cork's 96FM. Play Cork's 96FM. Okay. On your phone, tablet, smart speaker, and radio. Turn up the volume. We are Corks 96 FM. 1850-715-996, the opinion line on Corks 96 FM. Before I move on, a couple of things to do. I, I forgot to do this, uh, and I must do it. She's on the front page of The Examiner today. She's a woman who had the privilege of meeting many years ago when she was uh, the first ever Cork person of the year. She's 102 now, going on 103. Uh, she was to get the COVID-19 vaccine. She lives in a care home. She was uh, due to get the COVID-19 vaccine. But she said a younger person should get it uh, instead of her. her. Her name is Sister Colette Hickey. Uh, she's the woman who set up Idel House. And she has a fantastic legacy, wonderful woman and worth a mention. And uh, a number of listeners were saying they should give her a mention. As I said, I have immense respect for her. I met her uh, many, many years ago. And speaking of centenarians, could we mention also Mary McGrath, who is in COH. She is 104 and Mary had a fall over Christmas. I hope she's making a good recovery and I hope that she too will get her jab at the first available opportunity. We weren't able to get back to Michael, our West Cork publican. We got his his number wrong, but he's more than welcome to call us if he wants to come on. Uh, I might have thought he had dropped out, but no, we didn't have his number. We, um, We weren't able to call him back, but the point he was making was every pub in Ireland... I don't know what you feel about this. We have what? We've got 22 minutes left. I don't know how you feel about this. He says every pub in Ireland should just open today. They were the first to close. They're still closed. Yet all the off licenses are still open. People filled their boots from Christmas, or before Christmas, from the off licenses. Then they went out and they socialised. And look what happened. The numbers went mad. Michael says the publicans have been so badly treated from day one, the government hasn't a clue. So Michael is saying every pub in the country should just open up today. I wonder what would happen if they tried. I really do. 1850-715-996. Now, I spoke to Rob Armstrong last year, uh, October time, I think it was. He had started writing a blog, a very entertaining blog, called The Regular Dad. Uh, about going through pregnancy with his partner and he updates it quite frequently about going through pregnancy from a dad's point of view Um, now uh, the time is coming closer Rob Um, how how long left good morning to you good morning PJ Um, we just entered uh, the uh, the third trimester so 12 weeks to the day today it's a due date, so the time is winding down very, very fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, the pressure the pressure's getting to me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I have must say I have found your 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 blog most entertaining uh, as a father of twins. No, they're they're twenty three years old now, but I remember like it was yesterday what it was like. Your latest instalment is the grunt scale. Now 
I'm going to yeah. sit back and let you do the explaining here because you're right. going to get you're, you're 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 going to get us men into trouble here. So drive on. Yeah, apologies in advance. I might get a bit of backlash. Um, yeah, so the grunt scale, I kind of suppose noticed this. I suppose maybe late in the second trimester is just that um, my wife has numbers of grunts during the day has increased uh, significantly, and this is to do with things like you know normal tasks that a wife or you know, a person would do um, on a daily basis like sitting, standing, walking and picking up stuff and what once might have elicited one grunt has now elicited two to four grunts um, inaudible grunting going up the stairs and uh, getting themselves into the most unique standing positions to try and pick up stuff off the ground <laughs> Well, so, of course, it, yeah. the, the women, the women folk listening to us will say, "Well, why don't you pick it up for her?" I do the majority of the time. I think at times she just plays the pregnancy card, which is fair enough, and I do it. But I have found my wife, who to her and she'll agree with me, sometimes can be quite stubborn and wants to do it herself. Um, she does what I like to call the giraffe stance, um, where she would spread her legs like a giraffe would spread its legs very wide to bend down and right. some water. She does the exact same pose to go down and pick up something off the ground. At least she and catches all the edge of the is, table while she's at it as well. Yeah, and all you hear is, oh! <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And you she's see, you a, could interpret that as, well, if you only did this for me, I wouldn't have to do this. Yeah, that is true. And I have, I have, I have offered, she'd be the first to say that I have, but sometimes she just feels stubborn that she wants to do it and she gets, I suppose, a slight bit peeved off that, she can't do certain things now as she's you know she's 28 weeks now and her bump is getting bigger and she's doesn't have the same sort of energy levels or ability to do certain things so um, yeah it's just a bit uh, it's one thing I noticed and I've made the joke that one of the ways of getting over the grunt scale um, is shown on an action movie on Netflix and the grunts kind of just blend into the background of you know Bruce Willis diving through a window or you know Jason Bourne taking a bullet or something you know it's a uh, it's Lidwind I'm looking for here, Peter. Or the Rock, you know? the Rock Johnson, yeah. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Now, now, I think you also seem to think that her, if I put this right, yeah. her tolerance for your maleness is on yeah. the wane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a difficult person to put up with at the best of times, and when she has you know, the miniature version of me kicking her inside, and then she has to listen to the actual me on the outside... I can see why your toler- tolerance for me would start to wane a small bit, yeah. So most of our conversations start with, what? And then finishes with, was that it? Was that it? Was this? Um, so <laughs> it's just uh, <laughs> one of those, I suppose, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't sound. It. it doesn't sound like bliss. Uh, <laughs> at times it is, you know, and at times it isn't, <laughs> but I think I'm just... She knows me as a, a bit of a messer anyway, and yeah, and to, I, and I don't fair, help my cars in any way. You are having a bit of fun with the blog, to be fair. Although, yeah. there was another entry a while back um, about how it was much harder for the man to have a bond with the mm. bump. Now, the modern expression, we are pregnant. Now, I don't know whether you go with that or not. I, I don't. We are not pregnant. She is pregnant. Yeah. Uh, because I've often said before, if a man had the first child, there'd never have been a second one. But, <laughs> but this this thing about um, the, the, you see the, the listening, listening to the edge of the, to the, to the bump. I mean, yeah. is, have you done that? Yeah, you know, well, so? I've gone to the point of actually uh, getting a stethoscope and trying to hear if I could hear anything in there. 
and uh, to no avail I don't have the skills required to try and hear a heartbeat uh, through my, my wife's belly but yeah I have I've played Pavarotti music uh, Ness and Dorma uh, to try and elicit some kicks which seems to work but <laughs> um, it does get I'm surprised you let you do that that means none shall sleep yeah um, and just yeah I'd listen I'd like play some music usually at night time there's a load of activities so I'm just kind of hands glued to our tummy trying to get as many seals off the kicks which are getting and have you felt a kick yet? oh yeah geez, they're they're very very strong now they're starting to kind of I sound a bit weird but come through the skin a small bit so you could yeah. actually see the the bump move from the kick so um, yeah, yeah. strong kicker so who knows like I, like I said, we, we, we had twins and, and yeah. I was like looking at a five-a-side soccer match some nights towards the yeah, end of it. Like, <laughs> it. Like she, she said she's going to start putting her belly up against my back in bed now that I can feel the kicks during the night so I can have a restless sleep. So um, that's our payback, I think, at the moment. All right, listen, yeah. it's, it's, it's really funny. You're right, really, really. What are you going to do after they're born? Like, I mean, you'll... <laughs> oh, I'll still, still keep throwing up blogs and... You know, I'll keep at the blog as long as I can and, you know, share the the first couple of weeks and days and how it all goes and see how I get on with the whole being a dad thing. Well, well, I look forward to catching up again because, trust me when I tell you this, the first time you ever have to wipe vomit off the front of your shirt that you're about to go out the door to work, (laughs) that's an experience in itself. Well, luckily enough, we're working from home at the moment, PJ, so I don't have that... (laughs) that issue I could just you know, work away with vomit on my shirt if I want <laughs> alright fella listen good luck with that thing good luck what, what is your what is your wife's name again it's Ruth Ruth alright well yeah. good luck to Ruth in particular and to you and I hope that she, her tolerance of you will will, will hold up the regular dad.ie is the website and the blog Rob thanks very much Curtis PJ thanks for having me again gas crack gas crack that man Rob Armstrong the regular dad is his blog, 1850-715-996. On the subject of the pubs, Michael was saying um, all the pubs should just open. Jack, good morning. Morning, PJ. Happy New Year to you. And to you. What do you think? I think that the pubs should not open at all because the cases are already high enough as it is. So if people open the pubs, there's going to be more close contact, which means more higher cases. So that's why I don't think they should open at all. Like, none. The publicans feel hard done by, though, Jack, because they've been closed since March and uh, the restaurant pubs got opened, the wet pubs got opened for a couple of weeks. Like, you can see where they're coming from. They're, they're sick and tired now of being shut down. I can... I can, you know, like that, PJ. I can see where that comes from. It's like they've been closed for ages. They're out of business. They're not, you could say, getting any money. So I kind of understand, but it's kind of, I would say, for the safety of people to say that they're closed. But I understand where it comes from about that. They're out of business. They can't get money and all that kind of stuff. I get what you mean. How worried are you, Jack, about the situation at the moment? I and mean, we're all trying to stay at home and oh, God. To harassed. Well, I'm, I wasn't worried before, but <laughs> now I kind of am because the cases have, as you said, rise, and it's, oh my God, no. The cases have rise. Are you more. going out to work or can you work from home or what's the story? No, I, uh, I can't go out at all. Like, at all at all. It's, no, I just can't. I have to stay home, you could say. 
I, yeah, is, it, is that for health reasons or stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, well you need to mind yourself then. I will, thanks you too, PJ. Thanks very much for the call, that's Jack Thank Lucy. you, Doesn't you think, too. Thank you. Doesn't think, thank you. Doesn't think any of the bars should be open. Michael was saying they should all just open today. Uh, it's a pity that Neffet and our government, who were preoccupied over the last 10 months with locking up our citizens and some unnecessary closure of business and some sports, could have paid more attention to putting proper checks on our borders. We could have kept out the UK variant of the China, well, of the COVID. I don't use the word the China virus. Come on, that's... Trump stuff, could have kept out the UK variant of the virus. We are an island nation like Australia and New Zealand. Well, caller, I completely agree with you there. I look at New Zealand with envy and I look at Australia with envy. And while they still have very rigorous quarantine and border patrol and border closures for the most part, you look at them with envy. It's summertime now in New Zealand and Australia and look at the way they've got their lives back through really hard lockdowns and really rig- rigorous quarantine rules and yet we've had this up and down up and down this no this complete porous border on our island bringing in the north and that yeah I completely agree with you I if I had my way in the morning and I thought I could do it I I don't care who wants to take me on on this if I had my way to do it in the morning, I would shut down the border straight away. I would slam down this country for six weeks. Just slam it down like Jacinta Ardern did it and slam the country. Don't lock it down. Slam it down. And then keep it locked down because we could do what they did in New Zealand. I will not entertain for a moment because people like Niall Conway in Australia, who we've talked to many times, won't entertain it for a moment. Please stop telling us you couldn't do it. You could if you tried. And they haven't even tried. Sorry, no, but you started me on a rant, but thanks. 1850-715-996. Something we might take up in the morning, getting one or two messages and emails about the level of traffic on the road. Now that we've gone into this uh, level five, uh, Michael was emailing the show earlier on this morning to say that in his own observation, and Michael is out early most mornings walking around, uh, that he's seeing an awful lot of traffic on the roads, an awful lot of normal traffic. I also wonder, were there any checkpoints out there this morning to enforce the, the stay-at-home order? I don't know what you've seen, because at the moment, as I say, coming from Studio 1.5, my commute is basically down the stairs and through the kitchen, so I'm not out. I'm not out at all. Uh, so I'm not seeing what's on the roads. So if you have any observations, we might take them up with you tomorrow. Also on the leaving cert... Uh, dear PJ, please don't give out my name. I have an underlying health problem. I have a Leaving Cert student at home. During the pandemic, he's parked all friendships and all and social distanced from everyone in a most mature way. He's now being asked to go into school three days a week while our leaders are stating schools are closed and not safe. Our Leaving Cert students are so confused with all the mixed messages, we will not be sending him back. No kid is in the right frame of mind right now for exams and should not suffer, especially when they have been so responsible during the pandemic. Norma Foley is the worst Minister for Education we have ever had. That's not, by the way, I've been accused. Um, good morning to my friends on the proc. I've been accused of misogyny towards Norma Foley. I completely reject that. Completely reject that. In fact, I I'm appalled that someone would accuse me of that. 
Uh, I'm just not particularly happy with the way she's doing her job. Uh, if that's misogyny, then we're come to a very sad point in the road. On SNAs, they were told to take home all their worksheets going up to the end of February when they broke up for Christmas. So they absolutely knew this was going to happen. Have you seen the Principals Forum on Facebook? It's a group that has a slogan, not just teachers, we are the managers of your children's lives. That is their attitude. I don't know whether you see that as a good or a bad thing. There was a checkpoint this morning, I'm being told, on the Commons Road. Uh, yeah, well, you expect more of them. We'd expect more of them. And again, I got accused of being anti-guard uh, by saying that the, there was no enforcement. The guards are run off their feet, admittedly. But the checkpoints have been a joke because you can talk your way through them. They're, like You don't really have to prove anything if you're stopped because they don't have the powers to, to, to make you prove anything. That's where I've been coming from. That's where I continue to come from until I see different. That's it for today. The programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry, Wayne Hilton, uh, pushing the buttons back at base. Thank you for that. And we'll talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.